Hi again, it's Skylar. Welcome back to Wardeer. I wanted to take some time to share with you a conversation I had with Pastor Donna Hubbard about human trafficking. Pastor Hubbard is the founder of the Women at the Well Transition Center for women who are coming home from prison. And it's a sad fact that oftentimes women who are trafficked end up just as involved. And so this issue intersects a lot with her work at the Women at the Well Center. Pastor Hubbard also works with Airline Ambassadors International, which trains flight attendants to see trafficking that might be happening in the air on their planes. So I wanted to take some time to share with you all this often invisible subject and conversation. It obviously could use much more than a short uh, episode, but for now, here's our conversation. So, uh, Pastor Hubbard, you have done um, quite a lot of work with women who have been trafficked, and I wonder if you could talk about what that work is. It's restorative. Um, We uh, pen a phrase, reach, rescue, and restore. Um, Reaching them can be the greatest obstacle because human trafficking is like a shadow in a a stain on humanity right now. It is modern-day slavery. Um, It is not just sexual exploitation. While sexual exploitation is a part of it, uh, human trafficking is um, uh, labor trafficking, which actually is the largest uh, population of people being trafficked or trafficked is labor trafficking throughout the world. Um, Sexual exploitation, uh, debt servitude, child brides and child soldiers. Children are sold around the world as brides because men found out that if they had sex with a 10-year-old, they could go to prison. But even here in the United States, it is legal for parents to give permission for a 50-year-old man to marry a 10-year-old girl. She then becomes his wife, and now it's not illegal. Um, So there is a sale of children uh, as brides and soldiers. Um, Begging rings, where children are recruited off of the street to beg, and that's how they are controlled their food their shelter and everything is controlled by how much they bring in through these begging rings Um, and then finally i think some of the worst uh has been has surfaced in the last three or four three to five years and that is involuntary organ donors where people's bodies are being are being used to harvest organs that are being sold on the black market around the world so all of that is part of human trafficking human trafficking is tied to criminal enterprise Terrorism, money laundering, uh, um, prostitution, of course, uh, ter- uh, um, arms and weapons. You know, we, we, we equate gangs with weapons and drugs, but we never wonder where they got the money to purchase weapons and drugs. Human trafficking is the number two criminal industry in the world right now next to, to uh, guns and weapons. It's a $150 billion business. Traffickers use three forms of, uh, to control. It's either fer- violence, force, or coercion. Um, yes, they do kidnap people, and that is what people most relate to it. But there's also force and coercion, and by that I mean either you do this or your family will die. Either you do that or we'll take one of your children. Um, they are told they're going to get a job. They go to some, some third world countries. And they're told, you know, give us your daughter, your son. She's going to work a good job. She's going to work in a good house. She's going to get a good education. He's going to be picking um, strawberries. He'll be able to send money home to take care of the family, so on and so forth. They get to wherever they're being um, transported. 
and they're not paid. This could go on for a year, two years, and when their work visa runs out, if they are agricultural workers, they take them and drop them at the airport and keep going, and these people were never paid. Um, or they are, like the story that was written in Time Magazine last year, um, this woman was the gift of, by her, by, and one of the ambassadors bought her. She's 15 years old when he bought her for his wife as a gift. And she was, it, you know, here she was more than 50 years old, uh, more than 50 years later, um, the mother on her deathbed confessed that she had been trafficked, she had been bought. She was not just the maid, she was not just the housekeeper. She was made to sleep on the floor. She was not allowed to go home and visit her family. So human trafficking entails all of that. And, um, but we can do something about it. And I think what's most important at this point is people begin to recognize it and report it. And so often, people don't report human trafficking because number one, they don't want to be wrong, and number two, they don't want to get involved. And what we try to stress at Airline Ambassadors, I work with Airline Ambassadors International, which was founded by Nancy Rivard, and she's a retired American Airlines flight attendant who founded Airline Ambassadors so that airline personnel could leverage our benefits for good, traveling for good to transport uh, children for medical treatment and returning them to families, um, leveraging um, uh, supplies and airplanes from airlines when there are either designed or natural disasters. But in 2003, Nancy came upon a little girl sitting in uh, Cambodia who was naked. She'd been abandoned, and she was drawing clothes on her body with a red marker because she had no clothes. And that's how Nancy was introduced to the dark side of human trafficking. Again, I talk about um, looking at human trafficking while working with women who are incarcerated, women and girls who are in detention. And, um, and so... When I became a flight attendant uh, at you know a major airline, I called Nancy because that's who I had you know how I had heard about her, and the partnership has over the four years now. Um, we have just been really really blessed to partner with Airline Ambassadors International to travel around the world and provide the um, training that is aligned with the Blue Campaign, the Blue the uh, Blue Campaign on uh, Human Trafficking Awareness. To, we've done 70 trainings at airports around the world now and um, trained more than 10,000 people. And it's my understanding you've had an experience yourself where you've helped to identify yes. and stop mm -hmm. um, yeah. human trafficking. Um, my experience, well, I've had more than one, but the one that comes to mind most often is a, a, little, a young boy who was being brought from the Honduras area, Dominican Republic or Honduras, but it was last fall. And he was, I want to say, around between six and eight years old. But he was too big to be carried like a baby. But this couple was carrying this young boy. And you could tell he was sweating profusely. He was lethargic. He, he was, it seemed to be in a lot of pain. And if your child is in that kind of pain and that kind of sick, you're not trying to get on an airplane. You know what I mean? And so, but they got on. They sat in the very last row. And the boy could hardly sit up enough for them to put his um, seatbelt on. Throughout the flight, he was in a lot of pain. He slept. He just moaned and groaned. And so I told my other, the other flight attendant, I said, you know, something's not right here. Uh, this, and so we asked him, you know, do we need to land? Do we need to call a doctor to meet the airplane? No, 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 he'll be fine. And I told her, I said, something's not right here. We need to look in a little deeper into this because this child is in a lot of pain. 
So um, she got up to take the boy to the bathroom. And when she did, I said, now's a good time for us to talk to them separately. So one, the other flight attendant talked to the father who was left in the seat. The, I talked to the mother. Um, she told me he was eight. The father said he was five. Um, they, they gave us two different names for um, what the boy's name was. We knew then that something was wrong. And so we reported it to the captain, and they forwarded that information. So when they reached um, our destination in uh, Miami, they were pulled aside uh, for medical evaluation. Uh, they didn't let on anything else because we didn't know anything else for sure. Um, and the, unfortunately, we don't always get the follow-up information about those cases that we report. But the next day, coming through customs, I did see the customs officer that I had spoken to that first day. And he said, you know, I can't give you the details. I can't tell you what happened, but I can tell you, you made the right call. And so I think that for me, I didn't, it didn't matter to me whether they were prosecuted at that point. What mattered to me was getting that boy to a safe place, making sure he was safe, um, and making sure that they did not have access to him any longer. Um, and so that's just one of the cases. After the, um, after the, incident with some name. That's the little girl who was in Cambodia. She was named and placed in an orphanage. She is doing wonderful now and has a life. But after that incident with some name, airline ambassadors correctly identified 19 cases of human trafficking on four major airlines in the United States using the indicators that we're trained to, to use. Oh. So we know that, it, that the work we're doing is viable, um, that Traffickers have used aviation in, 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 uh, for many, many years, but they also use the Internet. So you have to be very careful how the Internet is used uh, by your children and family members uh, because even though it may seem like we're very smart, young people get on the Internet and surf the Internet, and, and using the Internet, you can be whoever you say you are. Right. You, know, you can just be a 17-year-old a, a boy when you're actually a 50-year-old man. And at the Women at the Well Transition Center, um, how does sex trafficking or human trafficking play into your work or into the experiences of your clients? Well, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you don't put women who come straight off the street into a house with women who are coming out of prison that have had several years to work on their issues. Um, and the same thing happens with uh, women who are uh, rescued from human trafficking. Women and girls have to go through a separate kind of um, deprogramming and counseling. You can rescue them from physical captivity, but the mental captivity, the mental scars, and the, psychos, the psychological impact lasts for many, many years. So we make sure that they get the counseling that they need, that, they get the, uh, that their environment is a more nurturing environment. Quite often, we have to place them in a place that has nothing other than uh, women who are rescued from human trafficking before we can bring them back to the general population or, or just in a, in a house with uh, other women. They don't often want to talk about what happened to them, and we make sure that they don't, they don't feel that they have to. They don't feel compelled until they're ready to. Um, and I would say that for women that we have worked with who have been trafficked, I think the most important thing that we can do for them is simply to recognize them, to see them. So often 
we felt you feel when you're being trafficked that nobody sees you. Mm. And so it's important to see them and to begin to ask them what they want out of their lives. Do you think it should be illegal to buy sex? Absolutely. Why do you think that? It, because there are too many people out there that just want to have it for free. I think that when you make it legal to buy sex, you also open a door for leveraging people who can force others to buy sex or sell sex. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I know that many people feel like if you legalize prostitution, then that will uh, decrease trafficking. No, that just makes it, gives them, the traffickers more leverage, more uh, ability to traffic individuals and more ability to control people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard I've I've heard studies and statistics that say mm -hmm. that you know the number one thing if you ask women who are selling sex or being trafficked the number one thing that they want is to leave the leave the work leave. Oh wow! Um, so, and they will you, tell you I want out, but I don't know what else to do. I don't know where to go. My family don't want me. You know. Um, uh, you know, quite often you lose everything. You lose your ID and everything. And to even get that back is only part of regaining your your life, your identity. Um, as a traffic, usually um, women and girls who are trafficked, be they don't have an identity anymore. You know, they are just a number. They may have a barcode on them. You know, tattoos are very popular right now, but some girls and women are bar are coded you know, with a tattoo. Uh, it may be a barcode on the back of their neck. Um, they might have a tattoo that says, Daddy's Girl, you know. Mm. Um, and so your identity is jeopardized when you're trafficked. And um, you don't know who you are. You have to find out who you are again, that you are not just a, a, an object. Okay, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this bonus episode. Thanks to Poddington Bear for producing our theme music. And please feel free to reach out at voirdearpodcast at gmail.com. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're getting this podcast. Thanks.